this is Kara Foster, Senior Minister of First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky. You're listening to our sermon podcast. You can connect with us at firstchristianmadisonville.org or join us in person at 8.30 and 11 a.m. at 1030 College Drive in beautiful Madisonville, Kentucky. I hope you'll subscribe. Thanks. Well, church, we're working our way through some of the wonderful prayers that we find in Scripture. And last Sunday, I was remembering Paul's prayer of gratitude and joy from Philippians. I thank my God every time I remember you constantly praying with joy in all of my prayers for you. Paul's prayer reminds us that gratitude and joy can happen anywhere, even from the prison cell. And today's prayer is from the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures from 1 Kings chapter 3, beginning in verse 6. This prayer is commonly referred to as King Solomon's prayer for wisdom. And my hope in looking at all of these different prayers over the next few weeks is that not only will we all learn something about the context that these prayers come from, but maybe even more importantly, that we will have an appreciation for these prayers, that in some small way, these prayers can be our prayers too when we need these words. Last week, Paul was praying from a prison cell. Today, it's probably a palace. We are with King Solomon of Israel. And before I read the passage today, I want to remind you a few things about King Solomon just in case you're a little rusty on your 3,000-year-old ancient Israel history. So I'm going to remind you of a few things about King Solomon. First of all, he's the third king of Israel. It goes Saul, David, Solomon. And Solomon reigned for about 40 years. He had a, he had a big reign. He, uh, the, during his time, the kingdom of the Israel expanded the palace walls, the walls of Jerusalem. They expanded the walls of the city, and they really grew in wealth and as a political force in the world. In fact, just before our passage today, it mentions that King Solomon married the Pharaoh of Egypt's daughter. It, it shows there are forming big political alliances. And Solomon... He was the last to reign a united Israel. After his life, the kingdom would get divided into a northern and southern kingdom, one ruled by one of his sons and the other ruled by one of his advisors. And the big thing that Solomon is so famous for is that he built the first temple, the heart of the Jewish people, the center of Jerusalem. It is something his father, King David, wanted to do, but Solomon um, never got to it. I mean, and sorry, David didn't get to finish it. Solomon built the kingdom of the temple. And King Saul is the, King Solomon is the son of David and Bathsheba. And that's a whole Jerry Springer episode that we're going to leave another day. But I hope to give you a little bit of his family tree so you have the context of what is going on with Solomon. And when our passage picks up, it is towards the beginning of his reign. And he is in the process of building the temple, but it's not completed yet. And we learn um, just before this prayer that Solomon goes to a place called Gibeon. 
an area outside of Jerusalem. He goes to this high place, a shrine, if you will, and offers his prayers and offerings to God. Before there was a united central place of a temple, these places were a part of Jewish life where they could go and pray and offer their offerings to God. And so Solomon goes to Gibeon, and while he is there, just after he prays, he hears God ask him this question, what should I give you? What should I give you, Solomon? And this passage that I'm about to read is Solomon's response to God. And it's from 1 Kings chapter 3, beginning in verse 6, and I invite you to read along with me. It says, Solomon said, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, my father, David, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and in uprightness of heart toward you. You have kept for him this great and steadfast love. You have given him a son to sit on his throne. And now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father, David, although I'm only a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in, and your servant is in the midst of the people whom you have chosen, a great people, so numerous they cannot be numbered or counted. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding of mine to govern your people, able to discern between good and evil, for who can govern this, your great people? I think Solomon's prayer is remarkable. First of all, this is a prayer of a king. He is a son of a king. I think it's fairly certain Solomon never had to share his toys. He was born in wealth and opulence, and now he lives in wealth and opulence. And here is God asking, what can I give you, King Solomon? He could have prayed for a bigger empire. He could have prayed for all his enemies to bow down to him. He could have asked for more riches, more wealth, a long life. There's so many things he could have asked for. And what does King Solomon pray for? For wisdom. He prays for wisdom. At the very beginning of his reign, he asks God for wisdom. You know, sometimes I like to read from the message, which is a really contemporary version of scripture, and especially for really ancient language like this one. Today, I wanted to read it to you because I really loved how the message puts this passage with Solomon. It says, Solomon is saying to God, you were good to my father, David, but here I am, ruler of this kingdom. I'm too young for this, a mere child. I don't know the ropes, hardly know the ins and outs of this job. And here I am, set down in the middle of the people you've chosen, a great people, a people too many to count. Now, scholars assume that when Solomon writes this, he's not actually saying he is young by years. He's using it as an expression. He's basically saying, I'm a baby king. I'm a fresh little newbie here, God. I don't know what I'm doing this job feels so big to him. He doesn't feel like he can do it on his own. I need you, God. And Solomon goes on to say, here's what I want. Give me a God-listening heart so I can lead your people well, discerning the difference between good and evil, for who on their own is capable of leading your glorious people? 
Give me a God-listening heart so I can lead your people well. He recognizes that he needs God. A king, a king recognizes this. The scripture goes on to say that the Lord was pleased with Solomon's prayer. That Solomon took the time to recognize of all the things he could have asked God for. He realized that what he needed was God's help for the wisdom to know and discern his decisions and the next steps. I can't do this on my own. Give me a God-listening heart. I need you, Lord. It's a prayer of humility from a king. Give me a God-listening heart. How about you? Is that a prayer you often pray? Lord, give me a God-listening heart. You know, years ago in Tennessee at my church, I was attending what ministers like to call an unfortunate board meeting. <laughs> I've had a few of these over the years, but thankfully they've been very few and far between. And this meeting um, was a special call meeting because we had had this terrible situation with our roof. And it was, frankly, it was an emergency roof situation and nobody's fault, but something we had to address right away and it was going to be incredibly expensive and people were very frustrated that we were going to have this unexpected expense. And somebody came to the board meeting and offered some new information that even I hadn't known at that moment. And it had sort of sparked a lot of, um, tangents about people saying, here's what we should do at different camps of all thinking of different ways to address it. And our very well-meaning board chair was sort of letting um, the meeting go a little wild, if I could say that. It was just going a little down a million different roads. And I was sitting there sort of, not sort of, I was pretty uh, feeling pessimistic about it all, frankly. And, and then a woman in our church stood up at the meeting and she said, you know, my grandmother was raised in this church, and she used to tell me about a time during the Great Depression where things were so tight we could not pay our minister for a long time. And then she said, you know what, that monument that we drive past on 27 all the time, that is a monument in honor of the boys that were killed in our church's scouting troop when a flash flood came in the middle of the night while they were camping along a creek bank. Those were, those were the boys of our church that this church buried and lost. And she said, you know, how many of you can still remember watching the night the sanctuary burned in the late 60s? That's one Madisonville can relate to. And a whole bunch of hands went up. And then she said, look, everybody, I don't know how to fix this problem we have right now. I just wanted to remind everybody of this because we have been through so much worse. And I think maybe tonight what we should probably do is pray about it. And so we did. We stopped and prayed. And what was amazing to watch is the entire tone of the board meeting changed that night as she had kindly and gently reminded everybody there who we are, who we belong to, and especially 
that we do not have to fix it on our own. Sometimes churches are even the worst at remembering this, that we don't have to fix it all on our own. And so I'm wondering today how many of you have been going about your days still trying to just fix it all on your own. One of the podcasts that I love to listen to uh, is Kate Bowler. She has a wonderful podcast. uh, She's out of Duke Divinity School in North Carolina. And in this podcast I was listening to, she was interviewing a theologian who was actually quoting a Japanese theologian, and I don't remember their names. But what this uh, person being interviewed said is something, an image of something that has really and truly stayed with me since I've heard it. And this theologian said, well, we know that the average human person walks about three miles per hour. He said, so Jesus went about his ministry walking three miles per hour. God's son on earth was cruising around three miles per hour. He said, God's love is moving around three miles per hour. He said, so, God's love has a speed, and it's a slow one. Sometimes, I wonder, in all our frantic rush to just fix it, to just make it better, we try to run around our lives every day at nine miles per hour and then we ask ourselves where is God because we're too busy trying to fix it and do it all on our own when the going gets tough the tough get going right love that one said it to my own kids many times in a deep hole well keep digging till you see the light go do fix it problem solve it Google Calendar, Post-it Note to do this, a work group, love and pull yourself up by the bootstrap, fake it till you make it, right? Put a smile on your face and just keep going. And it's great and it's wonderful, but the danger is that sometimes we can run off at nine miles per hour forgetting that we were never asked to carry the weight of the world on our shoulders. This is why I think King Solomon's prayer is so amazing. He knew this. He wisely knew this. He was a king of an expanding kingdom, and yet he knew he wasn't going to be able to do the job on his own, that it was bigger than him. God, give me a God-listening heart. He needed God, and he asked for the wisdom to help guide his steps and decisions along the way. So what about you? How fast have you been running lately? Are you trying to fix it on your own? Do you keep shouldering all the weight of the world on your own two shoulders? You know, one of my favorite ministers has said that prayer is not supposed to be a sprint. It's a relay race reminding us of the one who can make a way when we can't. That's why we go to God in prayer. And all of us, all of us, 
All of us in the room, those listening online and on the radio, we all have our burdens. We all have our hard things. None of us get a pass. We have prayers that keep us up at night. We have worries that wreck our sleep. We have burdens too great to bear on our own. And sometimes we just think all we have to do is work a little harder to fix it. And today I want to ask you to simply hold those things for a moment within your heart. Take some of those burdens. Take some of those worries that are wrecking your sleep for just a moment and hold them in your heart with me because we're going to close in prayer together. Let's pray. Holy and gracious God, help us to slow down, to give up prayers of our own hearts to you, the ones we keep trying to run and fix all on our own. Give us a God-listening heart like Solomon, a heart that knows that you are with us even when we cannot yet know the way forward, a heart that trusts that you will never leave us or forsake us. Forgive us when we keep trying to do it on our own because we know in our heart of hearts that we need you, Lord. We need you. Amen.